as you would be talking to kids about sex and sexuality, you need to be age appropriate in, in, as to what you're discussing and the parameters of that, depending on the age uh, where they are. But ta- talking about sex, talking about money, it's, it's an important thing for a married couple to be talking about amongst themselves and then ultimately talking uh, with their kids about too. How else are they going to learn? You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Hartman. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast. We're excited to be in the studio again, hanging out with you and talking about marriage. And Jen, you um, wanted to share something with one of the reviews that you found. Why don't you go ahead and and share that with everybody. Oh, I sure did. This is a, a book review for us, and it says, Happy Marriage, This is a Must Read. Operation Thriving Marriage by Pastor Brian Harvey and Attorney Jennifer Harvey is a must read. Brian's deep understanding of God's plan for marriage and Jennifer's legal understanding of marital disharmony uniquely qualified them to share the do's and don'ts for a lifelong loving mar- marital relationship. They effectively flesh out how to handle the 20 challenges that typically lead to conflict. And number 20 reveals two specific behaviors that almost always destroy a relationship even when genuine forgiveness is given. Every married couple, as well as couples seriously considering marriage, need to know everything in this field manual. So thank you, June, for that uh, review from May of 2023. Really appreciate that. Well, thank you, June, so very much. And if you're interested in the book, uh, you can go to our website, operationthrivingmarriage.com to learn more. Or it's available, of course, on Amazon or anywhere you get your books. I would love for you to grab that. And if you have it and you've read it, um, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you and hear how um, the book has affected you. We'd love um, that just helps us get the word out more about what we're doing and the ministry we have here. And so, sweetheart, one of the questions that we get a lot is how to talk about money. Bum, bum, bum. We get it all the time because this is really an issue for uh, married couples, just all ages, all, all cultures and uh, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Money is, is, a, is a tough one. It really is. It's tricky. And in some ways, you think it shouldn't be, right? Sure. I mean, it's just everyone deals with money. Mm-hmm. It's universal. Um, it was talked about in the Bible. I mean, Jesus famously talked about it more than any other topic. Mm -hmm. You hear so much about money. It seems like it should be an easy topic, but it's really, really not. Right. Yeah. You'd think so. And and that's something too. I mean, pastors will even talk about their they may not be talking about money enough in, in church from the pulpit uh, because Jesus talked about money so much. Which is funny. And that's something that we've heard a lot in different churches, right? It's like, sure. oh, this is my one money talk a year or whatever, and I should talk about it more. And so pastors, don't be afraid to talk about what Jesus talked about for sure. And we're not going to be afraid to talk about it either. And we really want to encourage you guys to talk about money in your marriage. But we need to understand in some ways why it is difficult to talk about money in marriage because it's important to understand the barriers to help overcome them and build those thriving, healthy uh, marriages and that healthy communication around the topic of money. Yeah. And and I think some of that comes in from when people were growing up. I mean, how many of you had a mom or a dad say it's not polite to talk about money? We don't talk about that. And it just shuts down the whole thing. And it's almost like they've communicated to you whether they wanted to or not, that it's shameful to talk about money. It's just somehow uncouth, you know, polite people. They just don't do that. So you have to be polite. Yeah, it's just improper. And even in workplaces, right? It's like, well, you don't talk about how much your raise is. You don't talk about, 
And that's been weaponized sometimes to create divisions in labor. It's like, well, we're not going to talk about it. Since we're not going to talk about it, there's going to be different things. And that's true in marriage as well. It's just, it's not a thing we talk about. At the same time, it's got a huge impact on us as people. Mm -hmm. Money has a significant impact on how we live. How we think about money has a significant impact on what we do. And this isn't just in America. The Bible talks about this a lot. Jesus credits money as being one of the biggest competitors with God for our loyalty. You know, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then the illustration, I mean, that could be anything, right? Anything that would be getting in the way of God. But what does Jesus say is the thing that is most significant here? You cannot serve God and money. And that's crazy to think that, I mean, money, it's this tool that's ubiquitous that we've had to set. Yet that's the thing that Jesus wanted to point out. Hey, this is what could get in the way between you and God and could become a master over you rather than having God be the master that he is. And also just to kind of catch up to where we are in that, that is in Matthew 6, 24, but also the Apostle Paul in both of his letters to Timothy talk, uh, talks specifically about money as well. So in, in 1 Timothy 3, Paul tells Timothy that neither elders or deacons should be lovers of money. That That's that's a problem. You, you can't love money because that's going to take your eyes off of Christ. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul kind of does that follow-up to his letter in, in 1 Timothy, and he lists loving money as one of the evil characteristics of people who will try to then come in and infiltrate and destroy the church. Because again, their love of money, they're putting that before God. That's that's an idol. That's an obstacle to God because they've put that up as being in the way of him. Yeah, it's just something that has somehow some capability to worm its way into our hearts. And it promises so much. And then even media and culture, it encourages you to chase after this elusive thing that can't really give us what it's promising. And it's a hard thing to overcome. And then another thing, we lack role models for talking about money. Mm-hmm. You know, Since it's a taboo subject, most of us really have never observed healthy conversations about money. And so we don't really have a good idea of how to talk about money. A lot of families, a lot of parents, they talk about money when they do, either in an unhealthy way, or it's like, hey, we don't talk about this in front of the kids. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, and it's interesting talking to different couples and different people, a couple of different things I hear about reasons why we don't want to talk to our children about money. And one of them is in economic downturns and hard times, we don't want our children to be worried during the recession in the mid 2000s and things like that. I heard a lot of stuff on the radio and a lot of people talking about how much anxiety children were having Mm -hmm. because of hearing things on TV and stuff about money. So adults will not want to talk about money because they don't want their children to feel scarcity or feel the stress that the parents are feeling about money. Right. But at the same time, you also don't want it to be the only time the kids are hearing you talk about money is if you're in an argument about it and you're you're having bad feelings towards each other uh, in that. So I don't think that kids need to sit down with you to necessarily plan the budget. And uh, of course, some of this has to do with 
um, how old are the kids and what's going on. But I think that just as you would be talking to kids about sex and sexuality, you need to be age appropriate in as to what you're discussing and the parameters of that, depending on the age uh, where they are. But talking about sex, talking about money, it's, it's an important thing for a married couple to be talking about amongst themselves and then ultimately talking uh, with their kids about too. How else are they going to learn? The other thing that I hear sometimes with couples, which is interesting too, if they tend to be more affluent is they don't want their kids to quote unquote, think they're rich, or they don't want their kids to know how much money they have because they don't want the kids to be Oh my goodness. A good friend of mine from high school, and I'm not going to name her, but you know, she knows who she is and I love her. I remember she was talking to me about her younger brother in high school ended up finding his parents' investment statements. And, you know, he shows up with these statements to his parents. Oh my gosh, we're rich. (laughs) And they're just kind of like, no, we've got some money. Like you don't like we're we're taking care of you and you're our kid, but you're not rich. That's right. The parents, we're rich. Children know you are not. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, I mean, so many parents, and that's a that's just as bad as trying to shield children from, if you're worried about money, trying to keep them from knowing where you're at, because then how are they going to learn to get to where you got to financially if God's blessed you in that way? There's some things that God brought you through and some skills that you brought to the table, and your children need to see that it's not, your children are going to move out, hopefully, at some point. And they need to know that the lifestyle they experience doesn't just come by happenstance, that you don't just walk out the door and walk into a house equally situated with the same lifestyle. Uh, We have uh, our daughter is in high school and we're talking about college. We're talking about her future and helping her understand the things you want to do cost money. And so planning your education, planning your skills, you need to figure out what are you going to do to earn money to pay bills. And we know we've got those these other things, these lifestyle choices you want to make and this way of living that you want to live. We encourage her to chase her dreams, but we also remind her dreams cost money. And how are you going to earn that money? And how are you going to pay those bills? And my thought is a lot of times too, when when whatever money people have, and I, I say this as an estate planning attorney where I've I've planned for very modest estates. I the largest estate plan I've I've ever done, I think is somewhere around forty million dollars for a married couple. But what I found the commonality of that is whatever money that people have, they've worked hard to to earn that and have that for themselves and their family. So the common denominator of that is how can you be honoring of God with whatever you, you have as far as income, investments, assets, and so on and so forth. And I would say that when you get married, it doesn't make talking about money any easier but it does make it much more important. Absolutely, 100%, because now you are bringing two individuals, two people who have their own backgrounds, their own histories with money, and now you're trying to bring that together into one family and one cohesive unit. We've talked about this before, and I want to hit this before we start getting into the ideas of talking about money. We don't encourage the separate bank account thing or having the married account and his account and her account for fun money you're one couple and that includes finances. And so rather than avoiding talking about money by dividing the money up and having his account and her account and here's the bills account, 
to build that thriving marriage and build that community and communication that God has for you, that God desires for you, that that intimacy and closeness requires talking about this too. And research continues to show that while money may not be the biggest or more significant source of marital conflict, it's the one issue that is most often left unresolved. I found that very interesting. Yeah, and, and that's that's really too bad, and, and it it ought not be like that, and it doesn't have to be like that either. Right, and it's not um, the number one cause of divorce, as many will say. That's old research. It's not the number one cause. The number one cause is honestly infidelity, mm-hmm. but the big cause of it is still a cause of divorce, and it has a lot to do with how you view money. So, according to Bread Financial, we looked up this: sixty-four percent of couples believe they are financially incompatible. Oh my goodness. How crazy is that? that? What? I mean, you think about, okay, well, we've got to be compatible in all these other areas, but we're incompatible in this area. The percentage is significantly higher among millennials than it is boomers. Oh, and- wait a sec. Okay. Once again, Gen X has been left out of this study altogether. Am yeah, I they- right? They forgot us again. They didn't even. So I don't know how we forgotten Gen Xers compare with millennials or boomers. So we're just going to pretend we're better than both of them. Or as our producer Todd likes to say, we just didn't bother to sign up and that's fine. Well, that's probably more likely. We just didn't care about the survey. (laughs) But this is the key. Money isn't the problem in marriage. Lack of communication about money isn't even really the problem in marriage either. It's this compatibility. It's the idea of your values around money. That's the problem. The, and it's exacerbated by a lack of communication about money. It's ex- Your belief about your spouse's values regarding money exacerbates that. But the real issue is coming together and connecting over what are your values of money? What does money mean to you And what does it mean for your marriage? That's very true. And I think we've all seen this. It seems like spenders always marry savers and savers always marry spenders. And I'm sure that, you know, there there are some folks who are listening now. You might have some examples about two spenders that got married or two savers that got married. But it seems like one one person in the couple is going to be more the spender. One person in the couple is going to be more the saver. As the spender in our relationship, can we come up with a new word for that? Because I feel like spender feels so like it's like, oh, you're wrong. You're the spender, but I'm the saver. We got to come up with a better word for just for those of us who are the spenders in the relationship. Well, the only thing that I'm thinking about is that song from Sweet Charity, my musical theater peeps, Hey Big Spender. So, you know, that's where that that's coming from. So maybe we do need a different We need to come word. up with a better word than spender. The for... significant resource ex- expender. Is no, that, that's worse. That's, that's worse. worse. That's, okay, that's maybe fine. take out the... Never mind. Let's just keep going. <laughs> Ultimately, though, what tends to happen is... Couples don't talk about money until one spouse is upset about the finances. Like it's boiling over and I'm, oh, I'm sorry, we're not talking about me. (laughs) All right. You know, emotions get high, communication falls apart, and then nothing gets resolved. And just this low level of stress that continues. Jen and I, we've been watching this show, Fire Country. We've been streaming it. Plus, it's a fun show. Check it out. So there was a recent episode that we watched, and I couldn't tell you what episode or when it came out because we stream it. But this root fire occurred, and I didn't know this was a thing until oh, watching yeah, that this big, TV. A forest fire, like you didn't even see it right away. It was under the ground. How does that even happen? But leave that to the firefighters. Right. So 
to for those of you who haven't seen the episode, there's this situation and fire has spread under the grass. So you're looking out and you don't see fire. Mm-hmm. The firefighters noticed, oh, there's smoke coming out of this hole. There's smoke here. They, they noticed it because, well, they're firefighters. And that's where their job. there's smoke, there's fire. And one of the big things, one of the um, people who was there in the situation wanted to go back into this dangerous area where the root fire was to go get her stuff, you know, her driver's license and wallet, things like that. I need my stuff. I need my stuff. And to illustrate to her that it wasn't safe, they threw this rock out there and it broke through the ground and this fire erupted out of this hole where, I mean, hey, if you had stepped there, you would have been on fire. But that's kind of the way a lot of us deal with money. Mm -hmm. Things blow up. We see this fire over here. We kind of tamp it down. And so at least it's hidden. And then what happens is it just goes to root. It goes under the ground just waiting for someone to step wrong, someone to throw the wrong rock. And then all of a sudden, we're in this major conflict again about money because we never actually resolved it in the first place. We just ended the uncomfortable conversation in some sort of armistice or detente rather than resolving the issue. Right. And until it's resolved, until that fire's put out, you're going to keep stumbling into it. Smoke's going to be coming out. And if, if you step in the wrong place in the wrong time, you're going to get burned. And so is your spouse. So you're going to cause yourself all kinds of problems by not addressing this. But I, I think the good news is we've got some some solutions and some better ideas here to help you have good conversations, loving conversations, positive and constructive conversations about money. And I think the first one about this is just presuming goodwill. Of course, we talk about this in our book, but I think the whole deal of, listen, my spouse is not trying to sabotage me or my marriage or my family because we're in this together. So savers your spouse is not trying to ruin you or your family financially, but spenders, hey, big spenders, your spouse is not trying to hoard money and keep you from having fun or keep you from having nice things or, or trying to prevent you from something that that you might really need, but you need to potentially save up for it before you purchase it. And I, I think it's important to just keep that thing in mind. Again, that presumption of goodwill just out of the gates. Another thing is focus on strategy, not tactics. And here's okay. what I mean by that. A lot of arguments are what I call the tactical level. Mm -hmm. They're focused on specific spending choices. Could it be saving choices too? Or saving choices. They're focused on one specific choice that has been made by one of the spouses. One chose to spend or prevent spending to happen. And these conversations quickly end up focusing not on the finances, but on the person making the decision. And it's not even focused on the decision. We're not trying to resolve this. We're trying to focus on why are you not doing what I wanted you to do? Going back to unexpectations that we talk about a lot on this podcast. They're focused on that minute, that momentary thing. But strategic conversations about money focus on values and goals rather than the tactical decision. They focus Mm -hmm. on the big picture of what you want your life to be together rather than that specific thing, that specific choice that you made. If you went through premarital counseling, you probably talked about financial values and the values your family of origin taught you about money. You probably, if you did premarital counseling, you probably had that conversation. I know we did when we had our premarital counseling. Oh, we sure did. There's a lot of things that were talked about there, but I I think the issue is, let's be honest, guys, have 
have you talked about that since then? And how long ago was was that premarital counseling? Because I feel like even if it was just a year ago, you're out of date. Honestly, premarital counseling, we think it's valuable. We offer premarital counseling. We do that with couples. Couples getting ready to be married, they're so much in love. They've got the rose-colored glasses on. A lot of those conversations get started, but really the goal is to just give them tools to have conversations lighter because you don't really remember it. Sure. One of the things that we encourage you to do after listening to this podcast is take some time and talk about your financial values when you're not in a stressful conversation about money. The wrong time is when you're in a tactical conversation about a choice and then, oh, let's go discuss the strategic. Strategy happens before tactics. So plan a date night. And maybe this date night is dinner at home. Maybe it's not going out to a steakhouse or going out to something expensive. Maybe this is if you have children, um, the kids are at grandparents or a friend's house. Maybe this is just, hey, we're going to get cook at home. We're going to have this conversation and then binge something on TV. And that's going to be our date night. But discuss your big picture values you have for your family regarding finances. And I think I think a lot of that has to do with generosity. What kind of giving are you going to do? And this could be to, to your church. This could be to nonprofits. This could be setting aside um, some funds. Um, uh, Brian and I uh, very sadly know a, a family where um, a, a young man uh, at the age of 27 very tragically passed away. So, you know, get, getting some funds uh, to, to them for, you know, gift cards for food or, you know, different things like that. Um, cheering up a friend who might be going through some stuff, taking the person out to lunch or out to coffee. It's good to, you know, have some funds that are, are available. And again, it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be something extravagant, but to show up and have that generosity that God calls us to. Um, Some of this too is financial security for retirement. As Brian had talked about earlier, we we want you to have joint checking and savings accounts. So um, somebody who's into finances and things, you might be saying, but we can't have joint retirement accounts. Well, that's very true because of the nature of retirement accounts. It's one person's name on the account, but guess what? The spouse needs to be the the, uh, primary beneficiary of that account. And I want you to be putting equal amounts of money into those accounts. And maybe one account is a little bit more aggressive than the other one. But at the end of the day, you're together and you're benefiting from these together. We're planning Um, for our retirement, not Jen's retirement or Brian's retirement or husband's retirement or spouse's retirement, because God willing, you're going to be living together and retired together. Absolutely. (laughs) So it's your retirement. Even if one of you is working outside the home with a 401k or some other sort of benefits, that's your together retirement plan, not just, oh, well, I've got a retirement and don't know what you're going to do. Right. No doubt about it. So it's, it, it's you, you retire together and you, you work on that. And also a lot of it, too, is you're preparing children for what their future is, because sometimes people are, are uh, able to and, and they're being diligent about putting money aside um, for uh, college and other educational endeavors for their kids. A lot of times people are you know putting money aside for potential weddings or just different kinds of experiences that kids could have uh, for travel as well. And, and some of this also has to do with family relationships. Right. And part of you want to plan for your values are, this is kind of the lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. Um, How often are you going to go on vacation? What kind of vacations are you going to go on? 
Um, what kind of gifts are you going to purchase? Are you going to spend a lot on Christmas and a little on birthdays? Are you going to spend a lot on birthdays, a little on Christmas? And what does a lot and a little mean? And are, or are you just not going to, we're not going to spend a lot on gifts. We're going to focus more on experiences. What These are the lifestyle choices that are going to use money as a tool to enhance your family relationships. Are you going to visit um, family? Are you going to visit your parents, visit in-laws, things like that? Those things, all the values are around um, money need to be discussed. And once you have determined those values, as you clarify your financial values, then you can start talking about what your goals are. For instance, with generosity, what is your plan for giving to the church? What is your plan for giving to charity? Are you going to have money set aside? Are you going to have gift cards in a drawer that you can give to people in need? So once you have that value of what generosity means to you, what are the goals that you're going to have to fulfill that value? And here's here's something that I want to do, and we can call this either a red flag or a green flag, depending on how we're looking at this. But it's very important that you don't ever, ever weaponize your goals and values in a fight, because I, I have seen and heard of people trying to bring up you know, biblical passages that support savings, and they're weaponizing that against the, their spouse and saying that their spouse doesn't have the right values. But I, I've had people bring up Bible passages talking about, you know, generosity and trying to weaponize that against their spouse. And, you know, we, we don't have compatible va- values because you're spending too much and you're being reckless or you're hoarding money. You're not really saving it. You're hoarding it. And you've got some problems in there. So uh, God has brought you two together if, and you have sometimes some competing values that are coming perhaps out of family of origin or experiences or things like that. But it's important that that you're coming together and saying, God has us together for a purpose and we are to be learning from each other. We're to be growing in Christ together and we can bring these values together in such a way that's going to honor God. But, but it is important for you to know too, you're still very likely to have conflict over money. We're, we're not going to rose-colored glasses this because money can always have that significant influence on us, and we can also come at some point or another to that influence in a bad way. But make sure that you're there for your spouse and that you're accepting help from your spouse and giving help to your spouse as the two of you are stumbling on this. Because if one of you, you falls, both of you do because you are one as that married couple. And we talk a lot about this po- on this podcast about communication and conflict, and specifically um, episodes 4, 13, and 14, those really talk about communication and conflict. So if you're finding discussing money and you're finding conflict happening, often we encourage check out those episodes. They might help give you resources to discuss in a healthy way. Another thing, though, is when you choose to focus your conversations on the strategic level, it'll help you both together and individually make tactical decisions that will support your strategy. So this will ideally lead to fewer conflicts, not eliminate them, but lead to fewer conflicts because you're making tactical decisions in support of a strategy. You may disagree sometimes on the tactics on how they support the strategy, and that's where those conflicts will come in. But at least now you have a starting point. You can say, I did this and here's why. 
hey, I don't think that supported our strategy. Let's talk about our strategy so we can make better tactical decisions financially in the future. And I think one more, you know, kind of money hack or, or marriage and finances hack that we have is we do encourage you to involve a financial planner if you're able to, because that good financial planner helps you to make these kinds of tactical decisions in line with your strategy without that kind of emotion that we all attach to our financial decisions. Again, do not try to weaponize that financial planner against each other, but sometimes it's nice to have just a a third party who, who is knowledgeable in the subject to be able to step in and help you out with achieving your goals as a couple together. Conflicts about money are often cited as significant issues in marriage. The true challenge isn't money itself, but it's differing values about money. And to resolve these conflicts in a way that's going to help your marriage thrive, we want you to focus on strategy, not tactics. Focus on your values and goals, not the specific spending choices, and presume goodwill in each other as you are working towards your financial strategy together. Thank you so much for listening to the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. Jen and I started Operation Thriving Marriage to help couples and churches take marriages from merely surviving to thriving. We've got our book, we've got a blog and resources for our coaching ministry, and you can bring us out for an Operation Thriving Marriage experience. For more information, go to operationthrivingmarriage.com. That's operationthrivingmarriage.com.